There we go. See, I'm thankful for awesome guys that work in the back. They're the ones that go unnoticed until everything goes wrong, and then they still solve all the problems. So very thankful for people that serve constantly. So thank you, guys. Um, you, maybe, I don't know if you've heard this story. There was a man that was, he was once betrayed by a friend. And so he went to this friend and said, how could you do this to me? I picked you up out of the gutters. I, I, I gave you your first job. I even lent you money to bail you out of jail. And the guy replied, he said, yeah, it's true, you did. But what have you done for me lately? We, we can be awfully ungrateful. But then on the other side, there's this story of this, this, this shopkeeper. He was an immigrant. He, he opened up this store. But his son comes to him this one day, and he's complaining. And, and he's just kind of critiquing his dad. And he says, Dad, I don't understand how you can run this store. He, he said, all, all of your accounts payable, you keep in a cigar box. All, all of your accounts receivable are on a spindle, and all the cash that you have is in this register. Like, like how, how can you even know what your profits are? So the shopkeeper looks at his son and says, son, when I moved here, the only thing I owned was the pair of pants I was wearing. So now your sister, she's an art teacher, your brother's a doctor, and you're a CPA. Your, your mom and I, we have a house, we have a car, and we own this small little shop. Add all of that together, subtract the pants, and that's your profits. <laughs> See, we can, we can have a sense of, of gratitude for all the things that we have, and a lot of it deals on our perspective. As how, how do we look at things, and are we truly grateful for the good and the bad? And how, how, how do we get ourselves through those things so that we can give thanks? So that's kind of what we're going to focus on this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. And this is the account of Jesus healing 10 lepers. And, and I think there's some lessons that we can learn here along the way that will help us to understand how we can give thanks and have gratitude in all circumstances. So with, before we dive into reading God's word, let's pray. God, I thank you that we get to hold your word in our hands. And I thank you that we get to, to be here this morning to, to look into your word, to see how we can each individually grow and learn. God, I ask that you would open up our hearts to, to, to hear and understand your word clearly and accurately, and they be your words and not mine, and God, that you would be glorified through all that we do today. God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. So on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered this village, he, he was met by 10 lepers who, who stood at a distance and they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. So when he, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God, except for this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So we're going to look at a list of kind of some things that I think that we can see um, how we can learn to be more thankful. So I think the very first thing is we can be thankful that Jesus goes to the lost and the hurting and the outcasts. And we see that through these first verses here. That says that Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And so as he's passing along this area, most Gentiles, they, this area was mostly Gentiles, and yet Jesus goes right to this area. 
many Jews would avoid Samaria and Samaritans altogether. And we know of different um, uh, stories about Samaritans, and, and it was always like those people that you never wanted to to have any interactions with or you even wanted to, to relate with at all. And be, that was because Samaritans were Gentiles that had married Jews. And so they ended up having families together. And so they ended up being what we, they, like a mixed culture. And so they became hated. I mean, we still deal with racism today. And, and that's basically what's happening here. And so the, the Jews looked down on them, not just because they were mixed races, but they also mixed their beliefs. They did not hold to the fact that, that we serve the one and only God. And so they would begin to, to accept the gods of other cultures as well. And so there was this hatred between races, but also in beliefs. And so they were so hated that most people, rather than even pass through this whole area and have any encounter together, they would just completely go around and, and avoid it altogether. Even if it meant walking more miles, they would do it because they hated them so much. And yet Jesus goes right through this area, which I, I love that he doesn't, he doesn't shy away from anyone. He goes to the people that are lost and hurting. And more than just being people that were lost and hurting and outcasts, we have the outcasts of the outcasts because it says we see 10 lepers. And so th these 10 lepers, as we read it, it really reads that really there's one Samaritan leper and the rest of them are probably Jews. And as we look at this, we see that really they would have had nothing to do with each other. The only thing they had in common, the only thing that brought them together was this awful disease, this skin disease that would just eat away at their flesh. And so they really would not have had anything to do with each other except for their own communities, forced them out because of this disease, and they, so they had to go live in a community together as outcasts. And so when they see Jesus coming, there's this cry for help. So really, wherever, wherever lepers traveled, they had to announce that they were unclean. So like, really, as they walked down the road, if they were to see anybody, from, even from a distance, they would have to yell out, unclean. So they had to be the herald of their own unworthiness. They had to let everyone know that, that I'm unworthy to be near you. I could not imagine not only being an outcast to society, but also to announce the biggest burden in my life to everyone that I approached. And so our situation, though, honestly isn't all that far from theirs. Our, 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 our sickness, our disease that we have, probably it's not skin disease, but it's sin. We, we suffer from one of the worst diseases there is, is sin, and there's no cure that we have. Only one cure that we have is the perfect and spotless sacrifice of Jesus. So we, we kind of come to Jesus in the same way, that we come to Jesus and announce that I'm unworthy, I'm unclean to be near you. And we're asking, <clears throat> excuse me, for his help, because he's the only way. But then Jesus' response to these lepers is, as they approach, notice that we see a lot of other, other times that Jesus will, will touch them or he'll rub mud on their eyes. And there's these healings in, in these interesting ways. And this time, he, they're still at a distance. They're still far, far off from Jesus. And we can make lots of speculation why. I, I think maybe this wasn't so much just for everybody to see Jesus touch them and heal them in that moment. I think really, Jesus is doing this from a distance to affect these 10 men's lives. To, to change their life and, and, and to see what their response is going to be. So Jesus tells them to go to the priest. And, and the reason that they had to go to the priest in Leviticus 13, we see a list of rules that as you become unclean, there's a process you had to go through to become clean again. 
And so as you were clean, you would have to go show yourself to the priest to prove that you were clean. They would have to actually make that true declaration of you as being clean again so that you could re-enter society and be back to a normal person, I guess we would say. And then you'd be no longer be an outsider. So maybe this is maybe the coolest part to me is it, it was as they went, as they went to show themselves to the priest. You only went to show yourself to the priest. You couldn't even come near him unless you were clean. And so it was as they were going to prove themselves clean to him that, that they found themselves to be clean. But maybe it was, the, the, the best part to me is that it wasn't until they showed their obedience, they were already on their way, going to show themselves to the priests, that they were actually clean, that they would be able to re-enter society in their lives again. So that their obedience to Jesus was not in that moment as Jesus says, go, it wasn't instantly go and they were clean, but it was on the, the travels back. They noticed that they no longer had this disease. So Jesus meets them in their call for mercy. He, he meets them where they're at. He heals them of this awful sickness and he cares for them on their way to see the priest. So I imagine the, the story as, as they turn to go see the priest and they're walking along the way and they're talking. I kind of wonder what they'd be talking about and this is all my speculation because as they're going, they're still unclean. So they're still meeting people along the way, having to announce, I'm unclean. Unclean, 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 as they're meeting people walking down the road. And yet they're supposed to be showing themselves clean to the priest. At what point do you think the first guy looked over at the other guy and goes, no, for real, man, you're clean. Like, this is no longer just like us going to, to prove this or to somehow see what Jesus is gonna do. He's done it. We actually are clean. And so they look at each other and they've got to be so excited. This, this is something that has altered their entire life. They've had to leave their families, their friends, their jobs, their homes. And now they get to see themselves clean. And they're so excited. And I think, I think this is why the nine take off. They go, they're so excited that they still need to go have that proof, that, that certificate, I guess, almost like they need the doctor's note to say, I'm clean. They run even faster to go to the priest to show themselves clean before him. And they hurry so that they can go have that clean bill of health, and then they can go back to their families. They can, they can re-enter society again, all except for one. And I think he teaches us this next lesson that a thankful heart brings us closer to God. As we look at those next verses, 15 and 16, it says that, that one of them, when he noticed that he was healed, you see, I think there, there's a little bit of this is that like we have to be aware of what's going on around us. I think sometimes we can, we're, we're not even observant of the things that are right in front of us or we're, we're unaware of what's happening around us. And that's why I ask you at the beginning of the service, what are we thankful for? Because I think sometimes it's not until we sit down and actually think it through that we are even aware of some of the things that we have. We, we, we grow hardened and blinded to the good things that are right in front of our faces and we completely miss it. God's blessings are right in front of our face and they've been giving to us, but we're oblivious. So I think what we need to learn from this man is we need to open our eyes to see what God has given us, the blessings that are all around us each and every day. And a change of our perspective helps us to see the good that's around us. And I think it changes our life. So maybe we'll no longer be complaining and critical, but instead we're, we're giving thanks and praise and gratitude in all circumstances. So this, this man, then he sees that he's aware of his, his being cleansed. 
It says that he turns back. I think far too often we ask God for help, we plead for him, and we're just begging and pleading for, for some sort of help. And then when things turn around and like it actually is good, we're just like, oh, never mind God, it, it, like, it, it's all good. There, there, was a, there was a story of a man that he was interviewing for a job. He had been out of a job for a few months and he was like running out of money. He was like, knew he was on some of the last days of maybe the finances he had. And he's in the interview process for this job big city, like this is going to be the thing that really changes his life. And he's on his way to the interview. He's running late and he's get, getting down to the downtown area where he's got to be already like pushing time and he can't find a parking spot. And he's, he starts to do this, beg and plead and go, God, please, please just give me a parking spot. I, I got to have this job. This, this is what's going to turn my life around. And he's just like, can't find anything and plead. God, if you will just give me a parking spot, I will go back to church. I'll be praying and reading. He turns a corner to see a car pull out of a parking spot, like right where he needs to be. It's perfect. He goes, God, never mind. I got it. Like, we miss it along the way. God, God provides for us, but yet this small thing of do we turn back? Do we just simply turn back to give him thanks and give him praise? So this man, he turns around because really his spiritual obligation overrides that ceremonial bill of health. He wanted to go and thank the God that heals rather than just go get the clean bill of health. So his next act is to thank God in a loud voice. It says he praised God with his loud voice. And really that, that word, the word loud voice is kind of where we get our word megaphone. So it, it's like his mega voice. He, he, he praises God with everything that he has. But somehow, he also knew that that praise was incomplete in that moment. Because this is as he's with these other ten guys, or other nine guys, which I'm thinking, how did they not, like, even think, like, as this man's praising God, how did they not think that they needed to join in with that? But at some point, those nine went on, he praised God, and then he turned around. He understood that maybe his praise to God wasn't enough, and he, he, he turns back and goes to Jesus, and he finds himself at Jesus' feet. And this man's a Samaritan. He fell, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet to give thanks. But Samaritans, they understood the Messianic scriptures. They, they understand that there was going to be this guy coming that was going to be God in flesh. And this man, in this moment, understood that this man that told me to go and see, see the priest, he's more than just a guy. That this God that I'm praising with my loud voice is somehow connected to this man that told me to go to the priest. That this man must be God in flesh. So when we've turned back, we recognize what God has done. I hope that our response to what God does in our lives is not like it's about time. Or why are you doing it this way? But hopefully our, our, our return to God is gratitude to praise him, proclaim his greatness, that he is the one and only God. Because that's what this man was doing at Jesus' feet, proclaiming this man, this has got to be God. And so this man got to share in the joy of being close and clean and cared for by Jesus, God in flesh. He humbled himself to bow at Jesus' feet to give thanks for God's provision, for his healing in his life. So this, this is maybe a cool thing that, that I think God does in our own lives, is that God takes some of our brokenness and from that brokenness of our life before, he uses it for good. And so this man, 
used to have to use his voice to proclaim that he was unclean. He had to announce his own unworthiness. And now God is using this man's voice that he used to have to use to talk about how unclean he was. Now this man gets to use his voice to proclaim how great God is. God can use those great things in our lives if we allow him to do it. So Jesus turns this man's world upside down and he gets to begin to proclaim and declare the supremacy of God. Now this man was a Samaritan and this is almost thrown in as almost an afterthought that this man being considered maybe a less than type of person or one of those outcasts of society but yet he is the one that returns to give thanks and praise to Jesus. The only one to turn around. So I think the next thing that we see is that ungratefulness can lead us away from God. And I think that's what we see in, in verses 17 and 18. Jesus asks, were not all ten cleansed? Like, the, they, they were all cleansed, but they could not wait to move forward, to move on to what life was going to be like when they could be back with their families, back with their spouses, or back doing their jobs, like just re-entering everything that they loved, not having to be an outcast, that they ran forward. Not back to Jesus, but they ran forward, back to families, jobs, homes. And maybe those are all good things, but they did not turn back to give thanks for all that he had done. I think that we, we need to understand a, a fact is that when we celebrate things, the things that we celebrate are the things that also get repeated. So the things that we, we raise up and, and celebrate and put up on a pedestal, those are the things that we're saying we need to do this more and more often. But yet no one was found to return to give God praise. God was not the center of these people's gratitude, except for this foreigner. And this really has nothing to do with America, inside or outside America. Really, this, this was the people that considered themselves God's people. But yet this man was a Samaritan, somebody that would have been looked down upon by all of society, and yet he's the one that returns to give God praise. The whole goal of this healing, this whole miraculous account that we look at today, is really not just to show that, that God can heal. Really, the, the desire of God, like in all of the miracle, miracles and things that we see, is really for the heart. It's all to get to the heart of men. So turning them back was to... to or this man turning back to show thanks, shows that his heart's been turned toward God. And the nine that turned and, and went on their way shows that their hearts were not focused in on what God had done in their lives. And from a young age, I think most of us, I think I, I watched this happen. We went back for Thanksgiving and we, we see family gets together and there's things like, you know, aunts and uncles give my kids things, like help them with their plate or something. Or there's always that moment the parents go, say thank you. Like, we, we say this all the time. We're trying to train, train our kids from a young age to, to give thanks, to say thank you when something's done. And yet, even that simple thing didn't happen here. The last thing I, th I think that we see out of these verses that we should be thankful for, and maybe this is something that kind of took me off guard or caught my attention as I was looking at this, is that, that really there, there's more than healing here. This man was made well. It said, he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. What about the other nine, though? 
Did they not have some faith to, to understand that Jesus had sent them out to go and show themselves to the priests? They went, but yet their hearts again were not toward God. They were healed, yes, but there's a difference between being healed and being made well. And, and this different difference is when those words that actually talk about being made well is actually talking about salvation, that you are saved from your sins. This man's faith was the means of his healing, but it was also the means of him turning towards salvation. That means of the 10 of them, they, 10 of them were healed of this disease, but only one of them was healed of the disease of sin. He was actually made clean, and there's a big difference to that. And I think that our true, our true thankfulness and our hearts toward God, if our hearts are toward God, there will be true thankfulness in our lives. Charles Spurgeon was once talking with a, a very talkative woman that uh, he was talking through salvation with, and she was extremely talkative all along the way. And as he was recounting or giving the account of this, he said that she had spoke up and said, oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ can save me, he will never hear the end of it. But yet that may be the best thing ever is that if Christ can save us, there should be no end to us talking about it. We should be proclaiming it to everyone that, can, that would give ear to hear. There should be no end to it. So when we under, understand salvation is offered to us, we should want to sing praises to God and never stop. As the worship team starts to come back up, I want us all to understand that we all suffer from a disease and that we all live at a distance from God as kind of an outcast. And, and it's only by us crying out to Jesus that we can be saved of this deadly sin and that it's Jesus that heals us of that disease of sin. So our response, I hope, is twofold as well. That as we shout out our praises to God, we shout it out to God, but yet we also humble ourselves and bow down at Jesus' feet. So as we look at how we can sing praises to God and, and humble ourselves before Jesus, I, I brought me back to the book of Psalms. And if you look at the book of Psalms, the last five chapters of, chapters of Psalms, they, all of those last chapters begin and end with the words, praise the Lord. And, and I want to try something this morning. I already, had you, I already had this interactive thing at the beginning, and I'm going to ask for this again, if you would, humor me and interact with me, and I, I hope this goes well. Um, it might be out of your comfort zone, but I, I want you to use your megaphone voice, as this man did, to, to sing praises to God. So I'm going to ask you to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, I mean, it's okay. You're going to have a few more opportunities for it to be better. That was not megaphone voice. That was like neighbor talking voice. But um, I'm going to ask you a few times to say, Okay, we're getting better. This, is, this may just work out. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to start. Psalm 146 starts out with the words, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise all the angels. Praise him, all the hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. 
Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the earth, and let them praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sing praises to the Lord, a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and the pipe. Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Above all. 